Sarah, our sponsor Vionic is back today with their Vionic Vitals collection. These shoes are the most essential styles for everyday wear to get us ready for spring, which will be here before we know it. We've already talked about my Uptown Loafers and Willa Slip On Flat and your Chardonnay Heeled Sandal, but this collection also includes the Walk 23 Classic Sneaker. That is that unapologetic dad sneaker style that's so popular right now. And I was just thinking having all four styles would basically be like having a spring capsule wardrobe for your feet. Oh my gosh, that is actually such a genius idea, Megan. I love where you're going with this. You know, high quality shoes are such a classy way to elevate your wardrobe. And the styles in the Vionic Vitals collection really can be worn in your everyday mom life, whether you're running errands or dressing up for an occasion. Yeah, and let's talk about the comfort factor, Sarah. Vionic actually got started by revolutionizing medical orthotics. Today, they continue to use that science to make cute and comfortable shoes that can keep up with our active lifestyles. Use code THEMOMHOUR15 at checkout for 15% off your entire order at vionicshoes.com when you log into your account. That's one-time use only. Vionic Shoes, wearable well-being for your feet. Hey everyone, Sarah here. As you listen to our episodes recorded during the 2020 global pandemic, just a friendly reminder to check the date stamp on when that episode was released. And we'll also always tell you when it was recorded as well in the show notes and in the episode itself. Things change so quickly these days, including recommendations for health and safety, as well as just our own thoughts and feelings. So you may hear things that feel a bit dated if you're catching up on older episodes. Just know that we're experiencing this in real time, just like you, and that we're working really hard to follow the latest recommendations for the safety of our families and our communities. We're also working hard to bring you timely, relevant podcast episodes in a world that's changing really quickly. So just a reminder to listen with that context. Thanks for being here, friends. On to the episode. Hi, I'm Sarah. And I'm Megan. We're two moms with eight kids between us, from little to grown. We're in different areas of the country and in different stages of life. But we both know that motherhood's a lot easier when real moms share tips and encouragement. And remind you that it's really all going to be okay. We're not experts. We're parents who've been there. We're not perfect. We're real. Welcome to the Mom Hour. Hey, everyone, and welcome to the Mom Hour. I'm Sarah Powers, and I am flying solo today without my good friend, Megan Francis. We are bringing you a bonus episode today because, uh, well, the last week has been insane and we need to talk about it. You know, as soon as it became really clear last week that most schools were going to be closing for a few weeks or several weeks, I started to notice this trend online of like schedules and tips and resources being shared. And I love it because... Who better to mobilize and get stuff done and get it figured out than moms, right? So I'm here for it. But then I also started feeling it creep a little into this kind of performative thing or comparative thing where we all want to show our creative craft projects and our schedules. And I just know how easily that can lead to moms feeling bad about themselves or like they have to somehow measure up to their neighbors. And we do not need that right now, you guys. We just don't. So I thought it would be really interesting to chat with a couple of experienced homeschooling moms and hear what it's really like to be the one in charge of your children's education and learning. You are going to love these two conversations. I'm really excited for you to hear them. This is not how to homeschool at all. That's not what today's about. This is to help you calm down, feel like you can do less and almost enjoy this time at home more, no matter how old your kids are or for how long that you are stuck inside. So today I have two different guests. First up is Amy Sloan, who is a longtime listener of this podcast and part of our community. She has five kids ages four to 14 and lives in North Carolina. And then after Amy, you'll hear me talk to my good friend, Joy Cherick, whom I've known in real life for almost 10 years. Joy has six children ages one to 10, and she lives in Tennessee. Both Amy and Joy are here to tell us that connecting with our kids and being together as a family is so much bigger than any one math worksheet or science project. I love their perspective so much, and I can't wait for you to hear these conversations. Okay, and then one more thing before we get into it. I have an essay up on our blog at themomhour.com today that speaks to some more of my thoughts on this whole homeschooling as a competitive sport thing. I would love for you to give it a read. It's linked in the show notes and I'd love for you to share it as well as share this episode with the moms that you're connected to. So check the show notes. They're either right there in the podcast app that you're listening from right now, or they're always at themomhour.com. And we've provided some easy ways to share and some shareable quote graphics. And if you don't mind taking the extra step today to help get this episode and that essay out there in the hands and ears and eyes of moms who need it, we would so appreciate it. We just think this is a time where a lot of moms are going to need good, calming, reassuring content, and we would love for you to help us be that voice for people. So here is my chat with Amy Sloan. 
Hi, Amy. Welcome to the Mom Hour. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me, Sarah. So can you just tell us a little bit about your family? I assume they're all under one roof right now. That's the assumption. So um, how many kids do you have? Who lives in your house? Um, and what ages is everybody? And where do you guys live? Yeah, so we are all home together today. I am a mom of five. Uh, we're right before birthday season. So right now the ages are four, seven, nine, 12, and 14. Okay. The oldest and the youngest are boys and the middle three are girls. Okay. And we live uh, here in North Carolina um, in the Raleigh area. And my husband and I have been married for 16 years. Awesome. Awesome. And tell me about your homeschooling. Have you always been a homeschooler since the 14-year-old entered school? Has that been your path? Yes. In fact, my husband and I are both second generation homeschoolers. Wow. Yeah. So I was homeschooled all the way through high school and my husband through seventh grade. And even before we got married, um, we had both just had a wonderful experience homeschooling. And we knew that was something we wanted to do with our kids. So we've done it from the beginning. I love that. Well, this obviously you um, are will be full of wisdom for our listeners, many of whom are looking ahead to some kind of remote learning, you know, overseeing remote learning is kind of what I'm saying. Instead of homeschooling, it's not really the same as making, you know, a conscious choice to be a homeschool parent, but we're going to be uh, overseeing our kids remote learning for the most part. Um, so I have a bunch of questions for you, but let's let's start with like one thing that I think is high on everybody's mind, and that is scheduling and structure. Um, and what have you learned over the years about kind of finding the balance between a set structure that like, you know, you know what's going to happen throughout the whole day and your kids know it versus remaining flexible. And does that change, you know, in seasons of life and with ages of kids? So give me just like your high level wisdom about scheduling and structure. Yeah, this is something that is is so important. And I can only imagine how how crazy it must feel to all of a sudden be having to make all those decisions unexpectedly. Yeah. Um, our family, we really love more of a big picture plan. So as opposed to like a color-coded detailed time schedule, which just gives me the, I don't know. Oh, that <laughs> sounds terrible to me. Yeah. <laughs> but we like to have a big picture plan. So we know over the course of a week, kind of the main things that we want to hit. And then we have the flexibility day by day to, you know, work with someone who has a specific question or is struggling or is moving more quickly. So, um, you know, again, that's something, though, that's very personality driven. That's mm -hmm. what works for our family. But you have to know not only as a mom what brings you peace, but also some children really crave more structure and detail. So um, and the other thing that really helps our family is to do what's called a loop schedule. And I first learned about this uh, from my friend, Pam Barnhill. She, she writes about loop scheduling and other things. And instead of having time slots where you're like, okay, I'm sorry, our 15 minutes is up. Yeah. We have to move to the, <laughs> we have to move to the next subject. Um, instead you have a list. So say now you think, all right, I want to get to a craft. I want to get to a read aloud. I want to practice our math facts mm -hmm. or whatever the things are for your family. You just go through that list. You can never get behind. When you're done with one thing, you just move to the next mm -hmm. thing on the list. And when you're at the end of the list, you start back at the beginning. And that is such a helpful tool um, anytime, but I think would especially be helpful now. Yeah, it reminds me almost of like centers in a preschool class, you know, like you're just you're moving through the different options and there is some structure. But yeah, it's not like a bell rings and everybody drops everything. Would you do a loop schedule on a per kid basis or as a whole family basis or both or a combination? So that has depended, you know, depending on the ages and grades of my kids and, um, you know, kids that maybe are doing more similar things, we can loop together. Other times it's more like where there's more of the big picture block kind of schedule. Mm -hmm. Like, okay, here's the time where we're all together doing this read aloud together or this poetry memory together. And then this next block of time is our independent learning time. And then I sort of rotate, you know, from child to child as they need help. And then here we all come back together and do this project together. And now we're all going to, you know, 
go back to more independent right. learning. Okay, I'm going to dig in. I'm still going to stay on schedules because I have so many questions. At the very beginning, you you said that looking at kind of the weekly goals or the weekly things you wanted to accomplish kind of works for your family. What does that look like in terms of like putting pen to paper? Do you do you write that out? Even if it's not scheduled down to the 15 minute increment, are you or you and your husband, um, are you writing that down on paper? Are the kids seeing it? Um, is there what's your process of like, uh, I guess I'm asking about the pen and paper stuff. Do you write down your your goals or intentions for the day, for the week, or at this point, is it all in your head? Right now, we actually print something off okay. for the kids. So I have, and then I did this, you know, before the school year started, I kind of figure out my big, my big picture goals. And at this point, we're all pretty much so familiar with it because we've been doing it for the whole school year that it is pretty intuitive. Mm-hmm. We don't depend as much on the written page, but I still print it off. And it'll have something like, um, say a reading journal. That's something that I have my kids do. And they begin when they're very young, just like copying out a favorite sentence. And then as they're older, my high schooler is now up to like writing up, you know, a page, mm-hmm. a reading journal. So I might say something like, by the end of the week, I want you to have three reading journal okay. pages complete. And so on their on their page, it'll say like reading journal, one, two, okay. three. Okay, I love that. And yeah. And then when they do that, whenever, you know, if it's Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, they've done three or, oh, it's Wednesday. I better make sure I get started on that. So, yeah, no, that to- that totally makes sense. Um, well, you you mentioned kind of having a high schooler and then all the way down to a four year old. So let's talk about this mixed age learning a little bit. <laughs> um, obviously, that presents challenges. Can you talk a little bit about what you've learned about meeting the needs of different age kids over the years? Um, and this is wide open, just whatever comes to mind. Oh, yeah, man, so much. And just, I guess I would say to any moms who are there facing this, you know, and not used to having all those ages home at once, like, it's all going to be okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it's hard for all of us, even those of us who have been homeschooling for a long time. It's, it's not like it ever gets easier. You're always going to face new challenges. Um, but one thing that has really helped me is to remember that advice we're all given, like when our kids are toddlers or picky eaters. And, you know, you hear, yeah. don't worry so much about what they eat in one day. Think about the whole week. Mm-hmm. And if you've got the vegetables and the fruit and the, you know, the cheese and everything by the end of the week, that's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. And there's just no way that you can hit the needs of every child, every day, all of their academic needs, all Mm -hmm. of their emotional needs at the same level every day. Like you just can't because your energy, you know, your time is also finite, like it's limited. So I like to think about sort of that whole week. And um, by the end of the week, I want to make sure that I've, I've been there for each child and we've sort of touched base and all those different academic, emotional, just relational, relational spaces. But it takes away some of that burden of, I guess, taking that one day and making it seem too important, I guess. Yeah, or having to divide up time, attention and resources equally, like like it's some sort of, you know, system. But that's probably not realistic, um, given, you know, different ages, different needs and just like a different emotional headspace for the different kids on any given day. Um, yeah, and different kids will have like have something unpredictable, right? I right. mean, kids kids will sometimes have something they need you to stop everything and talk to them through a big emotion, like mm-hmm. right then. Mm-hmm. Well, okay, math can wait. Yeah, that, that emotion, right. that emotion probably can't. Right, right. That's such a good point. Well, on on the same topic of mixed ages, then have you found things that are fun and meaningful? You've already mentioned a couple, but let's let's dig into that a little. Fun and meaningful to come together and do everybody in the family, um, regardless of age or grade, are there some touch points or cornerstones that you love, like reading aloud or writing prompt or something like that? Oh, yes. This is something that I love about having all of my children across the ages and grades home together. Um, And one of the things our family loves is doing poetry memory, read aloud time, scripture memory time, um, all together. That's how we start our day. Okay. And if if you're kind of new to the like homeschool space, you'll hear words like morning time uh, yeah, or I've seen morning that. basket. Uh-huh. Yeah. So that's what people are talking about. And it looks different for different families. 
Um, in fact, there's even a great podcast called Your Morning Basket Podcast. Okay. It's all about this topic. Um, but in our family, that looks like starting the day with memorizing poems and speeches. And we all do that together. There are great silly poems like Jabberwocky by Lewis Carroll or Be Glad Your Nose Is On Your Face <laughs> by Jack Kroletsky. Really funny poems. Um, we also love more serious poems. Um, I love to find a read aloud that all of the kids can enjoy together. Mm -hmm. Something like um, Number of the Stars by Lois Lowry. Okay. Um, set during World War II. So this is just sort of like an example. Uh, all of my ages enjoyed that book that we read together. And then the older kids obviously are going to be able to learn more about World War II mm -hmm. than is appropriate or necessary for the younger kids. Yeah. Um, and so you can kind of take one read aloud and then branch off from there. Maybe a younger kid just draws a picture about right. something that they learned and an older kid can deep dive or yeah. take a virtual field trip or whatever. Can I um, ask follow up about the poetry memorization? Because I actually I've seen homeschoolers, you know, mention this. And of course, I come from like the English lit background and writing. And I would love to do this. And, and I've actually told the kids that we're going to. And I want my husband and I to do it too. But so functionally, what what are the expectations around memorization like are is everybody memorizing something on their own or do you have a way that you actually memorize as a family how how have you done it yeah okay so you're getting me on like one of my favorite topics this is one of my most my most favorite things we do it's probably um, so some of your posts that I've seen honestly but I know I've seen <laughs> it elsewhere too and I know just like going back in time a hundred years like recitation and memorization was like a big deal I just feel like it's got to be so good for the brain such a good way to appreciate literature. So I'm all in. You can homeschool me right now on how to do this with my kids. Okay, awesome. Well, um, so what we do in our family is my while well, my husband doesn't normally participate, although, hey, he's going to be home now. Maybe we'll <laughs> rope him into. <laughs> but I actually print out the poem that we're all memorizing okay. together or the bit of Shakespeare or whatever it is. Um, and I print it out and everyone has their own copy. And we just read it out loud together. It's really that simple. Okay. And I know, yeah, some people might think, well, surely that's not like good enough. You can't just like read it out loud together once a day. You'll never memorize it. But I challenge anyone who has a small child who has a favorite like yeah. bedtime story. Yeah. Okay. What, what happens if you skip a page yeah. in that bedtime story? <laughs> they know, right? And all you ever did was just read it out loud to them. Yeah. And so memorization doesn't have to be like scary or I'm not like saying a sentence and having them repeat it right. after me. Um, we're just reading it together very melodramatically. I mean, we act things out in yeah. our in our living room. And um, yeah, it's amazing to me. And then would you just, I'm it. already interrupting. Then would you do that every day until you kind of felt like everybody could look away from the paper and like it was kind of. In, everybody kind of had it internalized or how would you consider that memorized? Yeah. So I like to talk about knowing things by heart, uh -huh. um, even more than just strict memorization Okay, B because different children have different strengths. And um, some children of like, for instance, my family, some of my kids, like within a couple days have that thing down pat. Mm -hmm. um, others may never quite get it a hundred percent word perfect, but the beauty of what they're learning and the truths of what they are reciting has really sunk into their heart. Mm -hmm. And um, even my my four-year-old, we were listening to um, an audio drama version of Shakespeare's um, As You Like It okay. in the car. Okay, we're Shakespeare nerds. Mm -hmm. And we had we had memorized a portion of that, like the older kids and I. And, you know, you don't think he's really paying attention. And um, he's listening to the audiobook, and one of the passages we had recited came on, and he goes, "Oh, mom, I know that Aww. one." It's like, and that's like just, when they hear their favorite song, except it's Shakespeare. I love it exactly. And so, you know, that's what our family does. Like, you can memorize whatever your family wants to memorize, but yeah. it showed me that he had ownership. Like that, that belongs to him in a heart way, um, even if he may not be able to like recite it word perfectly he'll never forget that. Like that belongs to him now. I love that. Okay. And that's totally different than what I was picturing with memorization. Like I was totally picturing each of us kind of picking something ourselves that felt like interesting or funny or age appropriate and like 
working on it somehow and then, you know, doing a couple lines a day and then kind of sharing with each other. So I totally had a different idea of how I was going to do this, but now you've made me, you've made me think, and I might still do it that way and just see how it goes. But we have a great book um, called Poems to Learn by Heart and it's edited by Caroline Kennedy. And it's, it's been, I mean, it's like probably 15 or 20 years old, but it's great because it has short, long, it has passages from Shakespeare and some from um, like the Gettysburg Address. So it's not all poetry. Um, and it's just a really wide variety and the pages are beautifully illustrated. Um, there's paintings and stuff. So the kids have just been looking through that and that's, that's as far as I've gotten so far, but I want to do it for myself too. Oh yeah, totally. And actually this is a, you know, I talked about the loop schedule earlier. It's another time you can use a loop schedule. You have each child pick like their, the thing they want the whole family to memorize. Oh, I love that. And then you can print everyone's selection. And then every day you read through a different one. So say you have like three or four poems and then you just read through them in a loop. And in a few weeks, you will all know each other's poems. I love that. I love that. Um, Okay. Well, I want to talk about the little tiny guys and your kids are getting older, but um, you know, from listening to our show and, you know, Megan and my kids are getting older, but a lot of our listeners have like a two and a four-year-old or Mm. an 18 month old and a preschooler. It's a, um, not everybody, we have wide variety, but that's, um, and a lot of those moms are, maybe they've been staying home full time and this doesn't feel that different, but in a lot of cases, there's been some kind of preschool or daycare or kindergarten. And so now this feels very different. And what I know about moms in that stage of life is you haven't, you haven't been in this world long enough to like have the, um, to be able to reassure yourself that today's kindergarten curriculum is not like does not make or break tomorrow's first grade success. Like you and I and Megan and those who've just been around a little bit longer, we have the proof underneath us that we're not that's like it's fine. It's going to be okay. So can we talk about moms of really little kids who now are assuming this role of educator? I'm interested in your opinion. My opinion is there's not much quote unquote traditional academically that is mission critical for a three and four year old other than hands-on creative play and reading aloud. That's my personal opinion. What, what have you done with the little guys and how might we encourage moms of, of little ones to not freak out is what I'm trying to say <laughs> in too many words. Oh yeah, no, I love, I, I am a hundred percent on the same page with what you're just saying. In fact, I have a whole um, post I wrote about homeschooling preschool and our family and Really, the most important thing is relationship, mm. um, especially now, like when everyone is feeling just a little bit just out of sorts, like we're we're kind of stressed as parents and trying not to communicate that to our children, but their yeah. schedules have been disrupted, um, even if they're used to being at home, like they're probably used to play times and story times at the library and all that kind of stuff. And um, I think thinking about like the 10 year, 20 year perspective is really helpful. Mm-hmm. You know, in 10 years, in 20 years, your kid is going to know how to read. Yeah. They're going to be fine. And they're not going to remember. And you're not going to remember if they finished that, you know, that math worksheet or if they remembered that letter sound. Yeah. You know, that's not what they're going to remember. But you're going to remember the time that you spent cuddling with each other on the couch, mm-hmm. um, being there for each other and just, yeah, prioritizing the relationships, um, I think is really important. But then even with like preschool, kindergarten, if you're like, yeah, okay, that's great. But I still want to do something. Right. Sure. <laughs> you know, yeah. Support their, yeah, support their, yes. their brains. And I, and I'm, of course I would never exactly. argue that we don't want to do that. I just think sometimes we jump right to worksheets somehow. Oh, yeah. yeah. And, you know, even, even, okay. So we're, we're wanting to get their energy out now too, right? Yeah. Okay. So get some sidewalk chalk go out on the driveway, write some letters or numbers and be like, okay, everybody run to the letter that says ah. And everybody can like run, find the A, including mom, mm-hmm. right? And so you're kind of getting the energy out. You're feeling like you're helping them learn, um, but in a more fun, easily accessible way at home. I love that. Do you have, um, I'm sure with all your five kids, they each responded to being read aloud to differently. Do you have any memories of little guys, two, three, four, five-year-olds who didn't want to sit still for read alouds and any strategies there? Because I'm such a huge proponent of reading aloud and I actually enjoy it as a as an adult. I enjoy reading aloud, but I know that's not the case for every mom. And my kids all just, for the most part, sat there. And But I know that's not the case for every kid. So any wisdom there? Yeah, um, I've had some kids at our old house. The downstairs was set up where you could like run in a circle. Uh-huh. 
uh, through the whole house. And I just have memories of reading aloud Dr. Seuss books while my oldest son at the time was like three years old and he would be running circles uh-huh. like the whole time. Um, and he would occasionally pop his head in and like say the next line. Yeah. You know, we'd read it so many times. So he's listening. Yeah. But some kids just need that action, you know, that yeah. activity. Um, you can have things like letting them p- play with Legos mm-hmm. or Play-Doh or Silly Putty or drawing um, or let them be upside down yeah. and wiggle. They don't have to sit, you know, completely still with their hands in their lap. Like they're not at a desk. This right. is, you know, everybody's at home or a family. So they have a little bit more flexibility. And and I really think they pick up on so much more than you even realize. Mm-hmm. Some, t- some kids just need that movement in order to help their brains work. Um, I re- I'm sure you saw this shared around. I don't know if you read it, but I read the book, The Enchanted Hour by Megan Cox Gordon. I'm not looking at the, I think that's. Oh yeah, that's a great one. Um, and that is about cognitively what happens when we're read aloud to and when we, you know, absorb, absorb story that way and stuff. Um, so I loved that. Um, and all of this will link up in the, in the show notes, including the resources that you've mentioned. Um, well, anything else that maybe we can finish just on, um, helping moms go easy on themselves, not being as self-critical as we tend to be. Um, is there anything that you've, you know, picked up over the years that has just helped, um, helped you enjoy this and really find it fulfilling rather than something you have to do or something you're hard on yourself about? You know, I would say that even even moms who have been doing this for a really long time are going to have those days where you think you've completely messed up everything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so not to let a moment of doubt or even a moment where you realize, wow, I just really screwed that moment up mm-hmm. with my kid or I got frustrated. Like that doesn't have to define the whole time. And that doesn't have to define the relationship. Um, we have the opportunity to even go tell our kids, you know, when we made a mistake mm-hmm. um, and that can can reinforce good relationships. But at the end of the day, like I just really try to focus on these precious people mm-hmm. who I still want to call me, you know, when they're 25. Mm-hmm. I want to, at the end of the day, no matter what, I want us to to focus on those loving, those loving memories mm-hmm. and that relationship together. So, you know, we're all here together. Like yeah. I have so many homeschool mom friends who have reached out to their neighbors or online community like we're here to support each other we're mm-hmm. all moms and mm-hmm. parenting is just hard yeah <laughs> it just yeah. is yeah no I love but that it's good I love that so much and it's been one of the bright spots in all of this is seeing the ingenuity of moms and the generosity and the collaborative you know relationships that the internet has fostered and then seeing those kick into high gear when necessary is pretty powerful yeah, so we have so much we have so much more in common I think with each other than we sometimes realize. Mm-hmm. And that's maybe a positive that's going to come out from all of this. I agree. And and this is forcing us to realize that because all of a sudden everyone is in the exact same situation. So it's just putting it. But you're right. Even before that, we had more in common than, you know, than maybe we thought. So, oh my gosh, Amy, this has been so helpful. Well, let's, who knows, maybe we should, maybe you should come back in a few weeks and we'll check in about how all this is going. But I know you're like a huge part of our community and we so appreciate that. Um, and so we'll, we'll stay in touch and we'll link up all the resources that you've mentioned. And, um, I'm just really grateful. So thank you. Thank you, Sarah. I really appreciate you and Megan. And I've been listening. I think I've listened to just about every episode. So this feels like a very surreal moment. I know. And here you are. But this is what I mean, that's even all the more reason why it's perfect to have you on. So thank you again. Okay, everyone, before we get to my conversation with Joy Cherick, just a reminder that everything we discuss in both interviews is in the show notes at themomhour.com. And if you're new to our show, if somebody's shared this with you and you're listening for the first time, welcome. We would love to help you explore our very vast archives and find more helpful episodes. So head to themomhour.com slash new. And that's where you'll get your kind of new listener orientation, everything you need to become part of our community. Again, it's themomhour.com slash new. Okay, here's my conversation with Joy Cherick. Hi, Joy. Welcome to the Mom Hour. I'm so excited that we're here together today. Thanks for having me, Sarah. It's fun to get to talk to you. I know it is. We go way, way back. Briefly for our listeners, Joy and I have known each other for 
10 years and she co-founded Scottsdale Moms Blog, which was one of the first parenting websites I wrote for and then edited for. And so we followed each other's families through the years. Joy, tell everybody how old your kids are today, this these days and where you live. Sure. I live in Chattanooga, Tennessee, and we have six kids. The oldest is 10. And then I have an eight-year-old, a seven-year-old, a five-year-old, a four and a one-year-old. And I've got three girls and three boys. Awesome. And what, um, for the purposes of homeschooling, I was excited to talk to you because you still do have the littles, but of those who are, who you would officially call homeschoolers, what grades are they this year? I have a kindergartner, a first grader, a third grader, and a fourth grader. <laughs> I didn't like think a, about it. <laughs> it was a pop quiz. It was a pop quiz. Um, so I want to start with kind of um, the age spread that you do have, because you've chosen to homeschool from the beginning, right? So since Reagan was in preschool, you've, mm-hmm. you've been homeschooling, and you've added baby after baby to the mix during those years. So you have had several homeschooling seasons where um, you've either been pregnant or nursing or sleepless or whatever. And we have a lot of listeners out there who, you know, have found themselves in this position, but they also might have a nursing baby or a rambunctious toddler. So is there anything that having done that multiple times, you've kind of learned to give yourself a pass about or a pep talk about when it's not just homeschooling school aged kids, but you might have one or two or three tiny ones also with you? Yeah, well, anytime that there is a crisis or a huge shift in our family, I've kind of always resorted to just kind of my survival plans. Mm -hmm. And that is just, first of all, like just keeping a routine as best as I can. Um, And that doesn't mean like a diligent routine. It just means like the flow of the day, like eat breakfast. Right. Wake up, (laughs) shower at some point within the week. Um, And also just giving myself a lot of grace, Um, especially that first three months of a new baby. Mm -hmm. Or even like we had, we closed our business in Arizona and we had to move. So that was another season where we were just in a high stress mm-hmm. situation as a family. And my real big goal was like to bind us together as a family, to connect with our kids, to delight with my children. One of my favorite things to do with my kids is to read books. Mm-hmm. And so I would just, especially with the little ones, just tell them, okay, go grab a stack of books. And if I had a nursing baby, just she'd just nurse for an hour <laughs> and the ba- the kids would just bring me book after book and they would just delight in that and they would snuggle up with the baby with me. And we just, that was just such a sweet time. It is a sweet time. Even mm-hmm. when we, we do those things now on a, just when I'm more stressed, that's what I do tend to do is, all right, let's just read picture books. I just, I want to read these beautiful stories too. Velveteen Rabbit oh, yeah. is probably one of my favorites yeah. and Winnie the Pooh and we love Beatrix Potter as well. It's that and There's coziness. something comforting. Yeah. yeah there's just comfort. British authors. I don't know. (laughs) I love that. Yes. Farm pastoral scenes. Um, But what I hear you saying is so relevant to right now because we are in a time of crisis and stress nationally. And I can see how certain personality types, mine included, um, might think to respond to that with like a plan and a structure. And like, we got to stay busy and we got to, we can't fall behind. And and some of that I think comes out of a, a want to control or a need to control. So I love the perspective that sometimes it might mean backing off or resting. And I wanted to ask you as a follow-up, what's that like then coming out of a season like that, where especially I'm thinking about Reagan and Elliot, the older ones, where it's like, okay, now we are going to ease back into perhaps a little more academic mm-hmm. rigor. Have you noticed that the kids just follow your lead and that that kind of ebb and flow has has been okay? Yeah. So what I usually do, whether I'm coming off of a school break or if it's, you know, edging back into from getting out of baby land is I start with a week of just trying to get, like, I just start paying attention to our routine. And I look at the time, like I look, I have a, I bought myself a a wristwatch Mm -hmm. um, because I really just, especially with um, my kids at home all day, I found like 
I just couldn't check my phone because sometimes I would get distracted by mm-hmm. other things going on. I, but I needed to know what time it was so that I could just understand the flow. So that first week, honestly, before we even start, I'm looking at, okay, what chore, what's our chore system? Who's doing what, when, um, and just trying to get a sense of what our day looks like, because as a, as our families grow, they really change about every three months. Mm-hmm. And that has actually stayed pretty consistent my whole parenting. I thought, oh, well, the first year of a baby's life, like they change so much in three months, like every three months, but that's like consistently true, I guess, into eternity. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. Interesting. Um, yeah. So I just love to get a sense of, okay, this person's napping or this person's not napping anymore, or, you know, this person's getting anxious or, you know, whatever the thing is. And I just p- take note of that for that first week. And then when we get started back, I start so slow. I might just start with math and then a read aloud with mom. Mm-hmm. And then I may, if I feel like, okay, I've got the gist of this, then I may add one more thing. But honestly, it's just, I'm trying to make sure I maintain our mar- our margin during the day mm-hmm. because otherwise I'm just going to burn out and I'm going to get snappy. And honestly, it's just way more important to have a restful, peaceful, joyful home than to be the taskmaster, mm-hmm. like making my kid, trying to make my kids do things. Gosh, especially math. Mm-hmm. You know, so many of... <laughs> So many of my friends I hear just get so frustrated about math with their children. And that is a real concern, especially if you are trying to control it. But Mm -hmm. the reality is, especially with the skills that they're having to learn, that honestly, they have to learn that themselves. Mm -hmm. They have to decide that they want to learn that. There's kind of this self-education that has to occur. And you can lead them to the answers. You can give them an abacus or you can give them a hundreds chart or whatever the tool is. Mm -hmm. But I found it so freeing to realize, you know, this is important for them to learn, but you know, I can't, I just can't make you understand what zero plus one is. Right. Like you don't, you're, you just like my, my son, who's a first grader this year, kindergarten last year, it really was a difficult concept for him. And I I was like, you know what? I'm just going to wait. Yeah. (laughs) And so often in homeschooling, just waiting six weeks, three months, six months, like the problem goes away. I think that's true in parenting. Like think about a baby learning to walk or, you know, learning to potty train. I mean, we've all experienced what happens when we try to impose our timeline onto a developmental, like a a child developing on their own schedule. So it's so comforting to hear that that applies to learning as well. And another thing I just want to highlight what you said um, is you watch the rhythm of your family naturally and then create a schedule or a structure based on that, not the opposite, which is what so many of us think to do, which is come up with an external schedule and then impose it on our family. So I loved what you said about watching, like who's napping and what time, like what are the pocket, what are the natural rhythms of our family right now? Um, And that's for me personally, um, we're recording this um, on, let's see, Wednesday. I'm not sure when this will air, but we're a few days into this first week at home for my kids. And I chose not to do any academic learning this week for that very reason, because we we had enough to like figure out what is this new rhythm of being home when they're Mm -hmm. normally in school. So I just loved the way you phrase that. I think it's probably comes naturally to you, but maybe wouldn't to everybody. So I really appreciate that. Well, it might be from the school of hard knocks. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's that is why I'm having you on the podcast because you have gone through the school of hard knocks. Um, I would love to talk about the role that dad plays in your family's homeschooling, and this this was different, you know, family to family. But for a lot of families right now, there's two parents at home, either trying to work remotely from home, or perhaps their work is they're not even able to do their work. My husband right now is quote unquote working remotely, but his his load is a lot lighter because there's a lot of things he can't do. Um, So I know a little bit uh, from knowing you that you and Kevin, um, that Kevin's pretty involved. Can you talk a little bit about what, just maybe what you've noticed about having two different parents with different strengths and how, yeah. yeah, Like how you decide or how, how that's benefited your kids to have two parents involved in education. Okay. Well, we were actually, I was talking about this with my girlfriends the other day. So it's like mamas are for safety and nurture and daddies are for adventure. (laughs) (laughs) So my husband right now is reading Arabian Nights to my children. Oh, I've heard that's such a good read aloud. It's It's so good. Okay, Okay, I'm adding that to my list. It's so good. 
But now it's also gruesome. It's okay. Yeah. And we, the kid, I mean, all the, all the way down to the four-year-old are listening and narrating and just telling back what's happening. And what's that? What does that mean? And it is so delightful and rich of, you know, really good discussions, especially Uh with what's going on right now globally. Mm Um, anyway, so he, these are, he, he picks out books maybe that I wouldn't, Mm -hmm. he's picked black ships before Troy, which is a retelling of the Odyssey. He's done, um, the great brain series, which is about a little boy. It's really good for little boys. Okay. That, that whole series. And he, he read the Harry Potter series, the the first four books. Mm -hmm. Now, this was a little debate in our family <laughs> just because it, they really, they, I read, I've read all of them, uh-huh. but they, they were, they bothered me. They, um, they hurt my heart. I don't know how to, I was like, man, I just want the kids to be the age Harry is like, I had all these ideals, right? Yes. I think that's a common source of tension in a lot of families. And even when you read <laughs> advice that, um, often yeah. they're, they're started much younger than they were intended. And you're right that after book four, it, it, they take a turn and it it gets old and dark pretty quick. Well, and you know, there's mature relationships yeah. and that kind of thing. So I, so I've kind of like, no, can we, we'll stop there and you guys can read it when you're older. Um, but I have seen how, so they're also into star Wars. I wouldn't have presented that either. So, <laughs> but they were, we were, con, we were contrasting Voldemort yes. and Darth Vader oh, yeah. at dinner the other night and these are just things that I would not have exposed them to, sure. but I love that we're having these conversations and that they're talking about good and evil and they're talking about right and wrong. And, um, you know, we're just getting to experience life as a family. And also, I don't know how to be a boy. Mm-hmm. And my husband kind of does. Yeah. We also, we have our family devotions at night as well. We read the Bible. Mm-hmm. And then uh, he does Beast Academy online with my older three students. Now we've kind of, it's just, things have been super weird lately. So we have not been as consistent, but that has been a thing that he will sit down with them. They'll watch the video together and then he will help them through the problems. They'll spend about 20 or 30 minutes doing that. Beast Academy is, I'm sorry. No, that's okay. Yes. It's math online. It's the art of problem solving. They have, um, they're just the elite for math programs, especially in the upper grades. But then they've come up with these comic book style books for elementary age. Oh, cool. So they've done that with dad. And that has really been fun to provide just a delightful way to, to enjoy math with wonder and not just kind of, Oh, now I'm doing this next problem. It, it, it challenges you. And yeah, He's doing that with them. I would not do that with them. So let me ask then how, how with six young children, how realistic is it for you and Kevin to like co-teach and co-parent? Like, are you having lots of little short check-ins after bedtime? Like, Hey, tomorrow let's divvy this up. Is it happening in the moment or do you Mm. have larger, like larger, longer? um, What am I trying to say? Like bigger planning discussions where you kind of identify some areas or is it happening on the fly or a little bit of both? Can we talk about the Enneagram? In yeah. This oh, yeah. oh, yeah. <laughs> we are Enneagram friendly. <laughs> so my husband's an eight. Okay. And what are and you? I'm a four I with a five wing. Okay. I can totally see that. Yeah. Five wing. I don't know research. a lot of four. I don't know a lot of know, know a lot of fours or fives, but I can see <sighs> knowing you, you know, the bit that I do. I can see that. Yeah. And I am an INTJ. So I like structure and Mm -hmm. plans. And my husband is an ENTP, which means he's exciting and adventurous. And, um, so he doesn't really like structure or plans. So I don't do the planning stuff with him. Uh (laughs) I just create margin Uh so that, okay, this is the time. If you want to do Beast Academy with the kids, you could do that now. If you don't want to do that, whatevs. So that's kind of one of those things where, um, I just had to not, I don't know, impose my personality on that area. But then also I actually have my own math curriculum. I do with the kids daily. This, the Beast Academy online is an enrichment. Okay. That's, and then like bonding with dad. I love it. 
I love it and so then, much. But we do have a regular schedule in the evening every day at seven. You know, we, we got to do our family devotions so that we can get our reading done for, or if you want to hear Arabian Nights, yeah. like we got to yeah. start now, like teeth brushed, PJs yeah. on, you know, because um, anyways, sometimes it happens and sometimes they don't get to listen to the story yeah. because they were, you know, flicking things at each other yeah. or... <laughs> I don't know, screaming through the house. What? Who? Who doesn't do that at seven thirty at night? Well, all, all. It's helpful always to normalize what really goes on in any given house. So I appreciate that little, that little <laughs> snippet. Um, so can we talk about getting outside? Because this is like, this has become. I've observed a passion of yours in the last few years, and um, amidst quarantines or you know isolation we right now are still allowed to get outside and the weather's going to be getting better everywhere so talk about the benefits mm-hmm. to getting outside and how you've made that really a priority for your homeschool family yeah so i need to be outside on a regular basis for my humanity mm-hmm. <laughs> i've just found for my mental health it's really important i struggled with anxiety and depression and panic attacks with my fourth pregnancy and then have, you know, just once you have it, then, you know, every now and then it's lurking around the corner. Yeah. Yeah. So I found physical exercise is really important and it's hard to exercise with six children Mm -hmm. in case you wondered. Yeah. And for me, I love the mornings. So what I did was in our daily structure, I looked at, I observed our day and I was like, guys, I have to get outside in the morning, especially when the weather is so crisp and delightful. And Mm -hmm. oftentimes there's flowers that are blooming in the morning that aren't in the afternoons. And I just, I want to get out there. So I schedule after either our math or whatever, like an after we've done like an hour of work, we go for a walk around our neighborhood and we in our last house, we had a couple different things that we could check on. We had a neighbor who had the most glorious garden. Oh, in the, that's cool. Oh, and she she just had so many different plants blooming all throughout the year. And of course, we got to know her and she t- taught us their names. Oh, and that's then I, so cool. It was so fun. And then we also had another little track. Oh, down to we lived by a lake. So then we would check on the lake and see if it was up or if it was down. So in this current house, it's not as magnificent, but there are certain things that we do like to check on in the neighborhood and see what's blooming. We have a peach tree that we're watching right now to see if the buds are going to start popping out. And we've been watching the daffodils pop up around here in Tennessee that they've been blooming for about a month. So those types of things are just something to look forward to. And usually after about an hour of doing school and we're doing right now, we've been doing our skill work. So that's Mm -hmm. math and reading, just the independent work for the kids. And Mm -hmm. then I'm working with the first grader with his math because he still needs me to read his math to him. Mm -hmm. And then it's like, okay, everybody outside. It's Mm -hmm. nine o'clock. Like we've been doing this for an hour and I usually get some pushback from my older kids like Mm -hmm. oh I don't want to go today or whatever but they are always big giant smiles on their faces we usually are just refreshed by it we it's like a new day has started when we come back I um I it just refreshes me if I've been tired and like I didn't even, you know, sometimes when you're reading aloud, you just want to fall asleep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> a lot of that just has to do with lack of oxygen in the brain. Mm-hmm. So just getting outside and walking around just invigorates your body. And it also, I always thought about um, Madeline, mm-hmm. you know, the two yeah. little, mm-hmm. the house covered in vines yes. and they would leave the house at half past nine yeah. in two straight lines. Yeah. I'm like, yes, they, they left to. at half past nine. <laughs> That was what, that's exactly what they should have done. I'm going to duplicate the daily constitution. Yes. Yes. I love that. So it's just, it's a, it's a practice that humanity has done in living in cities, but as Americans, we don't practice it very regularly. I know that because nobody walks in my neighborhood with Mm -hmm. me. So I just have really, it's really brought a lot of joy to our day, but then we also go on 
hikes regularly as a family. I don't really love going to parks with my kids because I don't have anything to do. Mm-hmm. And I am just, I'm a very energetic person. I have a lot of energy <laughs> and I just need to move. I don't want to just sit still um, while y'all are playing. I yeah. want to exercise too. Yeah. So that's, a, that's the best way I've found to get exercise in and then also be refreshed. And then we're also... We've been learning a lot of the names of trees and flowers. I use the iNaturalist app on my phone and that helps me identify. I've been identifying like the random weeds in my yard. That's kind of, (laughs) I don't know, it's a hobby. I love it. And I found, I don't know, I found some really cool stuff. I've got some bluets and some speedwell just growing randomly. I, okay. I want to pause and reflect back a couple of things you said, um, because I think they're really important. Um, Number one is you made it daily and not optional. And I know that we said, we started this whole conversation talking about, you know, flexibility and rest and, but there are some things, I think as moms, we all do this, um, that are not negotiable. And especially when you have a large family, um, you just like you said, you might get some pushback, but you do it every day and everybody does it. And they they are smiles by the time they're out there. So I think that's really great and really important. Um, But the other thing is when you do something every day, you notice things differently. So if like a family walk was, you know, once every couple of weeks, that could still be really special and really bonding. But when you're talking about noticing the first buds coming up and noticing the changes in the leaves and noticing, even if you live in a more urban or suburban area, noticing when somebody has a new wreath on their front door or somebody Mm -hmm. got a new car or a house is for sale. I think there are even, Mm -hmm. um, non-nature things to notice in our neighbors and our communities. And so the power of doing something every day, and you know, I did that 40 days to 40 walking myself. And it wasn't that different because I was already walking three or four days a week, but I was struck by the difference in doing something literally every single day because Mm. the weather, you had to get out no matter the weather, you had to do it no matter what mood you were in. And you, and I did, Mm -hmm. I noticed things differently. So I think that's really powerful what you what you just said um and then also on the so i'm not familiar with that app we have an app called seek have you heard of that one no okay we use it for but we're for more like creepy crawlies and bugs and spiders but you can use it for leaves and trees too i i yours might be better than ours but seek is another one and we can link both of those up in the show notes but i love that that's turned into a hobby of yours and then talk a little bit about you even created some materials right for families who want to study nature Yes. So I have five different books right now out to study different topics. So I have trees, cultivated crops and weeds, insects, stars and sky, and weather. And when you say study, define that in you have a bunch of little kids at home. Like, what does that mean, nature study to you? Right. So I'm going to read a quote. This is so nature study itself was a practice that started after the industrial revolution just pushed Americans into the cities. Mm-hmm. And where as as a people, we used to have to track where we were going by looking at the stars mm-hmm. or looking at the sky to tell the weather, or we would watch the birds to figure out what was happening. We really lost that connection to nature, which is actually where you see Winslow Homer in his paintings. He painted a lot of Uh, country scenes of just pumpkins and Mm -hmm. cornfields and these types of scenes because it was kind of this, oh, we're losing, (laughs) we're losing this in our culture. That's why at Halloween, we love to buy us some pumpkins, like such an American thing. So this woman, uh, Liberty Bailey, I'm just going to read a quote from her. Mm -hmm. She kind of explains what nature study is. Nature study as a process is seeing the things that one looks at and the drawing of proper conclusions from what one sees. Its purpose is to educate the child in terms of his environment to the end that his life may be fuller and richer. I love that. It trains the eye and the mind to see and to comprehend the common things of life. And the result is not directly the acquiring of science, but the establishing of a living sympathy with everything that is. Oh my gosh, I just got goosebumps. I love that. It's so, well, it's such a, it's, it's just a deeper look and a more intimate reason for science, like science, we kind of think of as breaking apart and kind of understanding 
systems and processes. Mm -hmm. Whereas nature study is really just becoming familiar with the dandelion and realizing, oh, dandelion, that word is actually derived from the French of dent de lion, which is tooth of the lion. Hmm. The tooth of the lion is if you look at the leaves and the dandelion, it has these jagged edges and they look like lion's teeth. And perhaps someone imagined that the yellow head of the flower was the mane of the lion. Mm -hmm. So then you just have, we, right now we just stepped into the past and we touched our ancestors who have, of course, the dandelions that we see in our, all of our yards, all over the world, Mm -hmm. they're just everywhere, are connected to these. And in my book, Cultivated Crops and Weeds, I actually have lessons just you're honestly just asking questions mm-hmm. about the object that you're studying and trying to pull out the truth of, okay, so for the dandelion, for mm-hmm. instance, let me just, here's this. So some questions. Where did you find the dandelion growing? Is the blossom stalk solid or hollow? Does it break easily? And then you might ask a question. How are the leaves arranged Mm -hmm. about the root? How does this help the dandelion to hinder other plants? So you're just asking questions and that those questions are self-evident. Yeah, right. But you have to know the right questions to ask. And then what I could see happening is when this becomes a practice or a habit, it then it normalizes that like mm-hmm. anytime the child is outside or in right. nature or in a backyard, they're looking with a, maybe a more awareness or more curiosity about things that they wouldn't have otherwise seen. So it's almost like practicing right. your practice to prime your brain to think of those things in a certain way, because they might then ask right. the same questions, even just in their mind about something right. else they encounter. So I love I love that. That's really cool. Yeah, it's so funny how we go about our business without paying attention at all to nature because of course we're not dependent on it in right. the way that we have been in the past and how once we start to be asked to look more closely we start to see how much there is to observe just in a suburban mm-hmm. home just on our little even if it's just a 7000 square foot plot mm-hmm. of land you know can you name all of the plants growing on your property. Mm-hmm. I still can't. I've still got a tree I'm not 100% sure about. <laughs> you know, I'm still trying to figure out a couple of things, you know. So and that is just for me it's a delight, but what I see in my kids is it helps them develop their habit of attention mm-hmm. and and paying closer attention to things that are good and true and beautiful. My seven-year-old came to me the other day, mom, come here. There's a bird out of my window. It's got a red head on it. Come see. So I went and I looked and I didn't know what it was. And I said, okay, well, we'll have to get a book out, you know, thinking like at some point he got himself a field guide. He opened it up. He found out this is a house finch. That's what it was, mom. Oh, I love oh, it. Was so, it was so fun that he cared enough. Yeah. And that also he took it upon himself that he was going to learn that information for, for its own good. Yeah. There's a, that's not going to be on a test. Right. That right. doesn't really matter. Like it, yeah, it's cultivating it, that curiosity, that in, yeah. internal desire. But what matters is that he cares. Mm-hmm. We want our children to care about a great many things. Mm-hmm. We don't want them to walk through life um, just, what what is that, inoculated. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's really powerful. Well, in our show notes, we will link up. Where's the best place to find your resources? Um, oh, sure. Yeah. Uh, NatureStudyHacking.com is where you can get the downloads, but they're also available for print on Amazon. Oh, cool. Um, <laughs> yeah. Well, we will link up all of that. Um, Joy, this has been so great. I know we could keep talking forever, but um, I'm super inspired. And, and my goal for this is really that the moms listening, they may only be, you know, responsible for overseeing their kids' education for a short little bit. But I love giving them this perspective um, that you've shared today. So thank you. 
Yeah. Well, I also share a lot about maybe the more nitty gritty stuff on mm-hmm. my YouTube channel. Okay. It's just my name, Joy Cherick. Okay. We'll and I go well. into a little bit more detail about my school plans yeah. and just kind of how I how I get started and, you know, just what how I uh, homeschool each individual grade that I'm doing right now. Yeah, I love that. Yes, so that will. might be helpful. We will link that up as well. Well, thank you again for being here and for sharing with our listeners. I so appreciate it. Yeah, I'm so glad that you asked me. It's been fun chatting with you, Sarah. Thanks so much, everyone, for listening. And again, check the show notes at themomhour.com for all the resources that Amy and Joy mentioned, as well as some easy ways to help spread the word to your mom friends about this episode. We'll be back with you on Tuesday with another brand new episode, and we'll talk to you then. Hey, everyone, we have a favor to ask. If you are an Apple Podcasts user, can you check really quickly to make sure you're still following the Mom Hour? Apple did one of their big software updates recently, and it changed a bunch of things about how you get the podcasts you're subscribed to. If Apple Podcasts is your podcast app of choice, all you have to do is find your way to our show page and then click the little plus sign or follow in the top right corner. Thanks so much. Hi, everyone. Megan here. Sarah and I would absolutely love it if you would hit pause right now, like right where you're listening, and leave the Mom Hour a rating and review. If our show has helped you feel a little more confident as a mom or a little less alone, this is one of the biggest ways you can thank us, and it really only takes about 30 seconds. If you're listening to Apple Podcasts, you can navigate to the Mom Hour's show listing. So when you're in the episode you're listening to right now, click where it says the Mom Hour just above the play button, and then scroll all the way to the bottom, and you will see the ratings and reviews. We would love if you would leave us one as well. Thank you so much for listening.